these words of the Gospel according to Luke. In those days, a decree went out from the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Let us pray. Oh God, in this strange wonderful moment. Let your spirit move and your word be born afresh in our lives. Amen. I've become increasingly tempted to purchase clever, comfy t-shirts. You know the ones I mean, the ones with quips like Next week has been exhausting. Or cupcakes are muffins that believe in miracles. An early fave, as I started getting this sort of, I kept getting drawn in online to these websites with all these fun t-shirts. An early favorite that I still haven't gotten is underestimate me. That'll be fun. This past week, I saw 
a new one that I hadn't seen. Probably not new, but I hadn't seen it. And it was a simple line drawing of a glass filled about halfway. To the side, there were two brackets. On the bottom, it said half water. On the top, it said half air. The caption under this drawing was, technically, the glass is always full. Twenty twenty, as Pastor Casey has already alluded to, has been a year in which it may be difficult to perceive that the glass is even half full. Many have experienced loss, real loss, loss of jobs, loss of loved ones, loss of relationships loss of health. It's a year in which we as a nation have been reminded of vast empty spaces in our country where compassion and grace for others belong. It's a year that has revealed the ongoing deficit of equity and justice for our black, brown, indigenous, and impoverished siblings. 2020 has been a year of lack and emptiness in many ways. We've spoken about it through these last months as a time of wilderness wandering a place of uncertainty and danger, vulnerability, and unknowing. In the Middle Eastern wilderness of old, there are no street lamps in that rocky, pretty barren landscape. There's no flashlights, no GPS, no cell phones. And if it clouds over the moon and the stars, then the terrain becomes not only dangerous, but really impassable. If you get lost or separated from your people, well, it's rough out there. But that's the first word of the first scripture that we heard tonight that Ling read so powerfully. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. That's Isaiah 9.1. Another translation of that is, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair shall not go on forever. But nevertheless, and the text goes on to say, those who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon them light has shined. The shepherds in our story later on in the story, were skillful 
at navigating those same wilderness places. They navigated them with their flocks. But when the beautiful dark sky becomes filled with God's glory in an unfamiliar way, they were terrified. But the text says, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. And here's some of that good news. When your cup seems empty of what's needed most, when things are uncertain and unfamiliar, making you fearful and anxious, when all you perceive is pain, grief, anger, loss, loneliness, injustice, or lack, when others look at you or a situation and say there is no hope, the Christmas story interrupts, not ignoring the realities of your life or of our world, but the Christmas story interrupts saying, nevertheless, this suffering will not last forever. For a child is born for us who is light for our path, who is guide for our way, a prince of peace, one who comes to save us. And so we sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. The Savior reigns with truth and grace, with righteousness and all the wonders of love. And we sing this song, this joy to the world even as sirens of ambulance and fire truck speed by, even as those on earthly thrones of power and wealth withhold, continue to withhold what's needed for the survival of siblings who find themselves even now out in the cold, with insufficient or no shelter, hospitality, welcome, food, or experiencing other harsh conditions in this present wilderness. We sing our song of joy to the world, even as injustice and bigotry are championed by the powers that be, in ways that continue to make the world unsafe for impoverished infants like Jesus, refugee children like Jesus, little brown boys like Jesus. We sing our song of joy to the world, nevertheless, not because we are ignoring or accepting those 
realities. But because we have received the great gift of Jesus, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, the one who has come into the world in flesh and blood, just like ours, and has touched through personal experience all the vulnerable and broken places in our lives and in our world. And through that touch, infused all of it with divine presence. We have received the one who showed us how to sing songs of love and joy through our lives, even in struggle and in pain. Jesus has shown us that that is where the real power lies. The fullness of time generally refers to a time when things are ready or ripe, the right time for something to occur. My journey through the 2020 Advent season has led me to a new understanding of what the fullness of time can mean. In every moment of life, there is always present or possible both sorrow and joy, acts of hatred, and somewhere acts of sacrificial love, doors closing and others opening. Some among us have experienced, even in 2020, wonderful joys, births, new opportunities, insights, marriage or new relationships, liberation of various kinds, and at the same time have experienced the pain and fear and rage and loss of the pandemics marking this time. Others among us have struggled mightily through deaths and job loss and illness and other painful realities of life this year and have found moments of extraordinary beauty and joy nevertheless. It struck me yesterday as I sat in the Foundry Sanctuary beginning to share my Wednesday Facebook Live from there instead of my normal purple parlor setup. It struck me yesterday as I sat there in the Foundry Sanctuary newly grappling with the reality that the live stream for tonight's service couldn't happen there with me there due to connectivity issues. And I was sitting there beginning to grapple with that, and all of a sudden, it was noon after all, the foundry bells started ringing, their noonday reminder of God's presence. And that was loud. 
got a little distracting. And then all of a sudden, in addition to that, the fire alarm in the sanctuary started going off. A test. It started going off, complete with loud honking chirps and flashing lights. And I thought, this is the way it is. Our time is always full of both danger and vulnerability and the beauty and the power of God's love and mercy. They always happen together. They're always always present together at the same time. The disappointment for me of not being in our sanctuary tonight simply highlights what a gift our experiences in community truly are. And it offers an opportunity for gratitude and joy and for not taking such good gifts for granted. You see, God really is Emmanuel, God is really with us, perceived or not. When the glass seems half empty, God's presence not only fills the other half, but bubbles up like a wellspring and our cup overflows. The wellspring begins in God's own heart, a heart so full of love and mercy that it spills over into Jesus of Nazareth, whose love then spills over into all creation. We're told in the scriptures that happened in the fullness of time. Jesus lived all his life as a witness to the power of love and grace and justice and compassion, nevertheless. Jesus lived all his life with open arms and heart, extending to each and to all the wonders of God's love. And as we gather as foundry and as a human family tonight, spread out across the city, the region, the nation, and the world, we sing again our songs of joy. We claim our joy and our hope nevertheless, because the hopes and the fears of all the years are met in Jesus Tonight, the dear Christ enters into every beautiful broken heart that will receive that perfect gift. And by God's tender grace, Christ teaches each one how to be open, each heart how to be open, and then how to be filled filled to overflowing. Thanks be to God and joy to the world. Amen. Amen.